Calling anyone out there. This is found in the ruins. Welcome to the Wasteland Warriors. This is your host, Boom Mike, and I am joined by my co-host, Doc Benny. Say hi to everyone, Benny. Hi, everyone, Benny. Uh, too much is never enough. <laughs> anyway, this is the Found of the Ruins podcast, a podcast about the post-apoc, be it books, movies, games, anything that it deals with the post-apocalypse, we will cover. Now, you may ask yourself, this is on the safer half feed. What's it doing there? Well, this is a side project that I'm doing with uh, my brother from another mother, Ben over there. And we're going to try for roughly monthly, but this is a labor of love. So maybe more often, maybe less often. Just had to check the feed and see. But of course, before we talk about these from month to month and show to show, it's nice to know, what does post-apocalypse mean? Well, it means a lot of things to a lot of people, but this episode, we're going to try to explain what it means to us, and hopefully that way give you an idea of what sort of things we intend to cover. But first, I'm going to ask Doc Benny here. <laughs> yes, sir? What is the latest or the most recent post-apocalypse movie and book that you've looked at? The most recent movie, I would say, is the the same one that you saw recently that we were talking about offline. Leave the World Behind? Leave the World Behind, yeah. But I didn't read the novel version of that. I, I left that up to you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I care, man. As far as post-apocalyptic book, it's been a while. I mean, I've kind of touched up on a few zombie post-apocalypse novels, but there's not really anything that's really caught my interest from beginning to end, recently at least. Have picked up the latest Omega Wars? I have to say I've missed that one. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. My latest movie was Leave the World Behind, though I am about a third of the way through I Am Mother at the moment, so maybe I'll be able to talk about that next time. Yeah, I... I watched Leave the World Behind. It was okay. It had a couple of interesting things in it. By the way, spoilers, especially for our episodes where we review a movie or a book, just assume there's a spoilers there because if you're not wanting to get spoiled, you probably shouldn't be listening to our reviews, okay? Because we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about these things. And if you value your sanity, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Well, yeah, that's a given. But anyway, I thought, well... Like most of the things, books are better than movies, right? Oh, boy. So if I went to the book Leave the World Behind, it'll be a way better post-apocalyptic book than the movie, right? <laughs> right? Oh, no. It wasn't. It had far less to do with any apocalypse or post-apocalypse than the movie did. It touched on it even notably less than even the movie did, and it was secondary in the movie. The characters were less likable and just, no, 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 thank you. 
Yeah, I was about to say in the movie, they there was a lot of character building, which I liked. Well, there was a lot of character building in the book, too. It's just you didn't particularly like the characters. So they, it's, yeah. not, it's not good character building is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there were a few scenes in the movie where you finally got a sense that it might be an apocalyptic type of story when they saw, for instance, the the city on fire in the distance, things like that. But yeah, for most of it, it could have just been like a weird sci-fi thriller, completely unrelated to anything else. Yeah. But it was fun. Besides, it's always good to see Kevin Bacon in something. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I worry that he's not getting enough work because, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my latest book was a trilogy called The Daybreak Trilogy from John Barnes. And... It had its moments, but it was one of those trilogies where the first is pretty okay, the second is man, the third is awful. So I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. But your mileage may vary. And as we talk about what we like and don't like and what we interpret, maybe you'll have a better idea of whether you'll like my opinion or, you know, just ignore it. I have to say, Mike, off the top of my head, unless it's a long series, most trilogies that I've read recently, zombie fiction whatever they 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 kind of tend to peak after one or two and then the third is always like the author is just kind of trying to throw it in there to tie up the loose ends and it suffers from that yeah or god help us it's not a trilogy it's like 15 books (laughs) yeah that's that's a warning to stop reading at that point yeah so For starters, when we talk about apocalypse and post-apocalypse, we're not really referring to the religious aspect of it. We're talking about its conventional usage in that it's a horrible destruction of the world as we know it trademark. So just to knock that, get that specified while we can. I don't know about you, Doc, Benny, but for me, most of apocalypse there's a difference between apocalypse post-apocalypse and dystopian to me there are apocalypse films but they're fun but there's stuff like deep impact or heck the titanic or the poseidon adventure or even the old airplane not airplane sorry airport movies from the 70s could technically be apocalypse movies this is right to me a movie where something horrible happens yeah, and it can be on whatever scale is appropriate for the film. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I tend to enjoy, at least initially, I tend to enjoy more of the apocalyptic, viewing it as it happens, kind of moving through the steps from day one. I tend to find that I'm gravitated more towards those type of films and novels than I am the ones that are truly post-apocalyptic years, decades, hundreds of years later. But that's just a personal preference. Sort of a, as opposed to say, Gamma World or something like that. Right. I mean, which which is fun in its own right, and and I enjoy it. But I just, I for me, a lot of the intrigue in the movies or the books is seeing how quickly things fall apart and why they fall apart. Agreed. That being said, I'm less interested in the ones where, okay, the devastation is now over. It's the morning after the Sharknado or earthquake or whatever happened. And then it ends. Those could be okay, but to me, I really want to see the post-apocalypse. People trying to deal with the aftermath right. of whatever horrible thing happened. Be it nuclear, be it ecological, viral, zombies, 
alien invasion, dimensional gateway, whatever. Sure. Well, so for instance, so so for my taste, for instance, one of my favorite natural disaster slash apocalyptic movie is a movie called The Day After Tomorrow. And and we can we maybe we might go into this at a later time, but it's fun because it deals with people who are trapped in a city that's been affected by weather occurrences that have been strong enough that they've essentially wiped out the government in that part of the country. And it follows the story. So so you get to see it happening in real time as far as how the weather basically brings everything to a halt and kind of takes it into that apocalyptic setting. But then the story continues, obviously, as you know, how they survive, you know, how they find shelter, how they find heat, how they find food, things like that. And I, so I enjoy that part of the story as well. I, I, I agree with you. I'm not one of the all the stuff bad happens. And then like the very last scene is the sun is rising in the in the, in the sky. And you're like, oh, OK, everybody survived because, yeah, my question immediately is, OK, what's next? Exactly. Yeah, they survived. But the tidal wave or whatever. Now, what do they do? Yeah. But on an, in, on an interesting note, by kind of having a, a broader definition of the term apop- apocalyptic, it really does allow us to you know, maybe focus on some films or some books, which some some diehard people might not consider to really fit into the apocalyptic genre. You know, something True. that strike you as a Mad Max or, you know, another movie, which is years after. But so I think that's fun because we're going to really touch on all of it. And we're going to, you know, ideally, we're going to appeal to a lot of different people with different interests. Yeah. For instance, like you just mentioned, Mad Max, that's not post-apoc. It's sort of right as the apocalypse is starting to happen. You know, you get the feeling civilization is breaking down. And to me, that's really kind of the crux of what makes an apocalypse to a post-apoc. And I've read some good books that, well, you know, after a few weeks, society, recognizable United States government, civilization, whatnot, recovers and rebuilds. Okay, that's great, but that's an apocalypse. That's not a post-apoc. Because if they repair it to where we're still ordering from Amazon and drinking from Starbucks at the end, it's not really a post-apoc. Right. We're sort of back where we may be a bit wiser, depending on what the apocalypse was, but things got repaired. Yeah. Now, dystopian. I was just going to go there. Thank you for reading my mind. <laughs> well, go ahead. You, you start us off then. Well, no, I was just going to say that sometimes a an apocalyptic movie where we quote unquote recover can actually become a dystopian future because we recover, but not a hundred percent of what we're used to, or we recover and there's martial law or, you know, we recover, but only half of the country, right? So there are a lot of ways where an apocalyptic film can have some form of government after the event, but it might not be a government that that, that we're familiar with or that we're used to, or that we want to frankly live in. Or Logan's run. Yes. They have a society, but it's not our society. No, no. Considering you and I are three times that cutoff age, I don't think we'd want to live Oh, gosh, they'd have to run us through Carousel three times, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the original book, it was supposed to be like 21. It wasn't even 30. Yeah. The book was pretty cutthroat, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It It was even worse than the film as far as brutality. And I've actually come across a lot of books where they talk about it's X years after a nuclear war. And I've learned I can't just stop there and go, ooh, I need to read that. Right. Because I found a lot of people try to create what happens, essentially a science fiction 
dystopian future and their go-to, especially during the Cold War, was, well, there was a nuclear war, the United States government collapsed, so this new fascist or racist or whatever formed. Yeah, it fills the void, which is left over. Right. And is it post-apoc? Well, probably literally, but you're not getting the effect of a lack of civilization. There is a civilization. It's a dark, brutal civilization, but it is there. And that's not going to be my focus. There's a few dystopians I think that might be good, but for the most part, I think dystopian is really kind of closer to a dark science fiction sort of genre than true post-apoc. I think that's fair. Sometimes I'll get turned off when they try to initially describe the new government culture that is formed and it falls into the old-timey camp of, oh, it's now the Wild West where everyone's running around with two guns strapped. And speaking with uh, Texan accents for no reason. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to probably take a big hit to my nerd cred here, but I have never watched nor read the book Hunger Games. Have you? I have. It's interesting. Would you call that dystopian or post-apoc? You know, that's a good question. So they don't really ever delve deeply into how it came to be the way it is with the different districts. But if I went from here to there on vacation, I would definitely consider it a dystopian form of government. Yes. So it's more dystopian than post-apoc. It is more dystopian than post-apoc. There are definitely elements of post-apoc in there. Why is this district suddenly the one that's making all the food? Why is this district suddenly the one that people are starving and they're working in the mine? So like, obviously something happened to get to that point. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about the story is they deal with the here and now in that trilogy. Uh, They don't really go back into how did we get from a normal or a quote, what we consider normal society into what their existence is at the time the novels take place. And in truth, what caused it really isn't that important. This is the new society that you have to deal with. Right, and that's fair. Yeah. Because a lot of books will not do a good job with that. You really have to have that background to kind of understand why they went the direction they did. But The Hunger Games works because it's a good story that could be basically in any setting, right? Regardless of how they got there. And I I think the story works just because it's a good story overall. But it's definitely dystopian as far as how we live up here in upstate New York. Okay. Well, the last one, I'm not even honestly sure it should be its own genre. I just, it sticks out to me because you and I being both children of the 1980s and the Cold War, we knew all about the survivalists, whether it was the fiction, the magazines, there was a Survive magazine I was subscribed to for a while, all that sort of thing. There was seems to have been a renaissance, as it were, into that concept, except now it's called prepper fiction, I guess, you know, for doomsday preppers. Right. And I've read a few of those, and the thing that sticks out to me more than the old survivalist fiction did to me is that there seems to be... Okay, prepper fiction really, really loves electromagnetic pulse. <laughs> that is their thing. They love it. If post-apoc fiction of the 70s and 80s were all about after a nuclear war, prepper fiction is all about electromagnetic pulse, usually detonated by North Korea, which I find just, I won't even get into that. Just the idea of North Korea being able to do that 
over the entire United States is just baffling. But anyway, of course, I like zombie fiction, so I'm hardly going to argue the plausibility of a background. Am I right? <laughs> no, and that's fair. And, and I mean, EMP also like some sort of weird virus that hits or like the Night of the Comet, right? I mean, that wasn't a prepper movie, but something like that happened and people who had been prepping for Doomsday, that would be a, a scenario that would set off their wildest dreams and they get to live in their little bunkers underground. See, daddy would have gotten his Uzis. <laughs> no, that's fair. And it, so prepper fiction is interesting because a lot of it, it's appealing to people that in some sense, they like to make lists and they like to like, they like to hear of all the stuff that someone's storing and all the ways they're building this underground bunker and all the, all the gun porn that goes along with it and all the supplies. And those books to me, at least they tend to focus more on, you know, I've got X days of this and that, and how am I going to make it last? And, you know, it's fine. If, if that's what you're into, I think that's fine. For me, I I sometimes I get caught up in the numbers a little bit, and I don't necessarily enjoy the story as much, if that makes sense. Well, a terminology alert for our listeners. When we refer to gun porn, uh, we're referring to books that spend sentence upon sentence upon sentence describing the main character's firearm in grotesque detail. Detail to the level that there's no reason you need to know about the rubberized Mylar grips. That it plays no part in the book whatsoever, but by God, they're going to tell you about it. Yeah. I'm going to apologize and just, I'm going to say that our listeners should, those that are of the appropriate age, should have a drinking game where every time Doc Benny says something that you have to correct, they should do a shot. And I really think you have to <laughs> Ideally, they'd be able to make it through a podcast without dying from it, but we'll see. If you are other age, you could still have a drinking game, but it should be soda. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a Red Bull. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. There's a less known one that I've adopted from an older podcast, which I love to death, by the way, uh, called Podcast at Ground Zero which unfortunately is not around anymore, but has inspired this podcast to a degree. They use the term ska porn hmm. to refer to certain series like dies the fire and others that where inexplicably all technology stops working from the basically anything of the beyond the industrial revolution stops working and so basically everybody who prospers are people with really old blacksmithing armor making sword making skills and where do you find those right the sca the SCA. Yep. yes interesting and thus it's scott porn well i always did kind of joke to my wife that whenever we would go to a ren fair i i would say to her that if anything were ever to happen <laughs> to the rest of society like these people already know how to do all the stuff, right? Because you're going to all these different people. You know, there, there's the leather worker who's making all the stuff. There's, like you said, there's there's the, the the iron worker. There's the people that are handling the animals. Like, they have skills that we just don't have. Yeah. I can't figure out all the little additives and stuff my cat's supposed to have every morning in her food. You know, I don't take care of horses. I mean, I had horses, but that was like, 40 years ago, 45 years ago. So yeah, yeah forget it. <laughs> I can tell you that within a week of, of any sort of apocalypse that interrupts the uh, food chain for uh, cat food, I'm going to be eaten by my cats. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. I'll last a week and then they're going to go for me in my sleep. Yeah. Well, like 
my wife Liz and I, we talk about what what's our zombie plan? Our zombie plan is to be delicious. That's our plan. So yeah, that's a couple of, of terms. So back to the prepper fiction. Yeah, I get the impression that a lot of them, and in fact, I've noticed that several notable prepper fiction authors are people who have either originally or concurrently published prepper books, nonfiction on survival in an urban, rural environment, long-term community survival, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they incorporate that into their fiction. Sometimes that's really cool. It gives it a level of verisimilitude that, let's face it, the Guardians may not have always had by Richard Austin or the Deathlands books or, yeah. So that's, it's almost kind of an inheritor of the survivalist. But, you know, with Prepper, you're not just preparing for a nuclear war or whatever. You're preparing for all sorts of disasters. For any disaster. Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, if I remember correctly, one of the Cloverfield movies, I believe the second or third movie in that series, took place in, it was basically a Prepper. When the aliens started to attack the Earth, he basically brought a couple of people down with him into his little Prepper underground bunker and 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 that was an interesting story so i stand corrected yeah. not all prepper films turn me off i do enjoy a good movie regardless of what the of what the thematic setting is right but that will get me to something that whether it's fiction or movies or books that does kind of annoy me well actually let's get to the tropes shall we <laughs> We're going to talk about our favorite and least favorite tropes from post-apoc movies, books, whatever. And we're going to start with you, Ben. Your favorite trope. I love the story of a downtrodden nobody before the apocalypse who becomes able to stand on their own two feet and and fight fire with fire and and become a, a better man or a better woman etc. in the apocalyptic setting. Yes. Yes. The ordinary person dealing with extraordinary circumstances. I really like that too. That's not my favorite, but I really like it. I think that's a good one. What is your favorite then? I started way back when. The first probably post-apocalyptic thing I ever saw was either Damnation Alley or Mad Max. I honestly couldn't tell you which one I saw first. Well, but, it's an easy question. Did it have a really cool RV or not? I couldn't tell you which one I saw. I saw them relic- within a year or two of each other, right. but I can't tell you which one was literally first. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and it makes little sense in a plausible, realistic kind of post-apocalyptic setting, especially nowadays. But I love hordes of bad guy bikers. They're like the orcs of the post-apoc, you know? They really are the orcs of the post-apoc. I- <laughs> you always know, okay, here come some bikers over the hill. All right, some gunplay is going to have to happen. This is not going to be good. These are bad guys. You got to take them out. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because I was actually watching an adventure movie today. I don't remember what the title was, but it was it was set in like the 2010s or whatever. And the bad guys all immediately jumped onto motorcycles and dune buggies to chase <laughs> who was on a horse and suddenly all these motorcycles. And so like it I think I think that trope actually it makes sense in an apocalyptic setting. It does probably easier to get a hold of and maybe maybe maintain them mechanically. 
They take less gas. But real day setting, it drives me crazy when like just get into your car and chase the guy. Don't don't get into like some souped up dune buggy. <laughs> you know? Dude, don't you know in the post-apoc, only motorcycles and dune buggies will survive. That's why the, the only clothing shops, as they say on podcast at Ground Zero, are football gear stores and fetish shops. Because that's all there is to wear, man. That really it's, is. That really is all the. It's a time honored tradition. Gasoline doesn't last very long, and nowadays when we put ethanol in it, you're lucky three months. Yeah, and it's bad. Meanwhile, you watch The Walking Dead. Years are going by, and they're just hot wiring these cars and driving around. And like, yeah. oh, dude, you so can't do that. The, the, the Walking Dead holds a special place in my heart, and not 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 for the best of reasons. That that seems like a good story to touch on on a different episode in in depth. Yeah, yeah, we, we could briefly we'll we'll cover in detail some of these topics, but. What but I yeah, did want that's... to say, though, about, about your comment about, about the bikes was the exception to the rule is Car Wars, which is obviously which is a game and not a movie or, or a story. Yeah, yeah, but then everybody on the road's a bad guy. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Heck, you're a bad guy. Oh, what was that? Sunday Drivers, a supplement for Car Wars, where, you know, they finally gave yeah. you rules for pedestrians who are, like, running around and shooting at you or... Or just getting run down, a la oh, Death, Death Race, Race 2000. 2000. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've got a teenage son, and he's getting ready to learn how to drive. And I've had to be better about hitting pedestrians because I feel like it's not really sending a good image, you know, to him. So you're actually hitting to kill right oh, yeah, out the I mean, first, if, rather if than you're going to do it. I mean, make it a hood up. ornament. I'm, I'm saying you don't want to just like win. I, I guess. Learn the right I can way. understand. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he then later wants on his own volition to go for grievous injuries. That is a life decision that he'll have to make. But he has to learn the experience first to determine whether or not that's appropriate. And maybe this is the appropriate point, but (laughs) least favorite trope. Uh, The least favorite trope is, and and you and I I have talked about this many times in the past, but to me, I'm just going to be very generic because I know we're going to go into detail on this at a later date, but... The least favorite trope to me is how quickly things fall apart. I mean, ridiculously quickly <laughs> where, you know, like yes. something happens yes. today and by this afternoon, you've already got work labor camps going out, kidnapping people and a little bit of realism. I mean, for starters, if something happened today on the West Coast, we might not even know about it for a while. So to say that like suddenly it's already <laughs> Mad Max, Thunderdome. Well, I mean, we do have some of that up here in New York, but, you know, it's fine. It's a choice. Not well, a yeah, okay, yeah. okay, fair point. So that that's my least favorite trope is is the way that they accelerate the decline of of society in these movies. And maybe it's a time saver, but it just, it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, well, they just give us a good old 80s montage, you know, exactly. give us the impression that time has gone on. Rather than whether it's the standard nuclear war, it's... As soon as the bombs drop, somebody blows a whistle and people immediately start yeah. engaging in cannibalism. It's only been six hours since like, lunch. We're we not even hungry meal. yet. Why are we eating? <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What, what's going on? And in zombie, it, zombie stuff, it seems to be the rape camps. You know, it's like, really? Really? Do we need yeah. that? I mean, I, I, don't I would like do. to think that in any sort of apocalyptic setting, 
like certain parts of society would last at least a few hours. Is that too much to ask? At least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that gets me to my least favorite. And this is particularly rough in some of the novels, especially some of the quote-unquote men's adventure novels from the 80s. And that is everybody, absolutely everybody, is evil and amoral and rapacious. And if you any kindness you give to anyone at any time ever will immediately be met by a knife in the back. Well, yeah, it's a sign of weakness. I hate that. It's a sign of weakness if you are nice to people. Right, and you're going to die, and the only way to live is to be a bigger jerk than they are. I just don't buy that. I mean, yeah, are there going to be twerps around in in any kind of post-apoc? You bet. Are they even going to possibly be a majority? You bet. But you're going to run into decent people. Humans are social animals. We have, it may be limited to our narrow groupings, but there will be decent people. There's a company called Graphic Audio that sells audio drama versions of some of those books. And there was a trilogy called Earthblood, written by James Axler. They did a pretty good uh, dramatization of. This is basically some some astronauts returning to Earth after a two-year mission. And in that time period, there's been an ecological disaster where basically all plant life on Earth has died. Nice. And it's been like 10 months afterwards where they when they land. They're traveling around. Every single person they run into tries to rob, kill, or cannibalize them. Not necessarily in that order. Every single one. And I'm like, you know, if you're an author, you, you gotta occasionally just throw in some good people, if for no other reason to keep your reader guessing. Right. Well, if the book becomes too overly depressing, what's the point of finishing the book? Well, James Axler was British, so... Well, okay, go. well, there you go. No, I mean, so so case in point, I was watching... I, I guess I have watched more apocalyptic movies than I thought. I was watching some movie about the San Andreas Fault falling into the ocean or something. A perennial yeah, favorite, yeah. yeah. And yeah. As the earthquakes are happening, people are running around, trampling each other, and there's always that guy who, like will find someone who's in shelter and grab them and throw them out into the street where they instantly die. He'll take their place and be saved, right? So, it, yeah. I mean, it, it happens. Like, it's human nature when you're sure. trying to survive, you know, in the in the moment. But I agree with you that, like, for that to suddenly be all of our brains suddenly go into, like, crazy killer mode, it just seems a little much. Yeah, like I said, more people than be good, yes. Maybe even, like, two-thirds, yeah, but that's still a yeah. third. So, yeah, that bugs me. Before I started reading Daybreak, there was a trilogy called Ashfall, which was post-apoc circumstance was the Yellowstone supervolcano erupts. And what it's like living in, say, Iowa or Illinois, you know, when you're downwind from that and how you survive it. Yeah, there's a lot of jerks in that book, but there's a lot of decent people, too. And the main character never, while becoming very jaded and protective also doesn't give up on humanity not just you know you're not you know my wife or my my uh immediate family so i'll just shoot you in the head and take your stuff you know none of that we've we've all seen series or movies that like unfortunately that seems to be the way they go because whoever's directing it or writing it seems to think that's what the reader wants and there is a group of people that do enjoy that i'm just not one of i agree Maybe I was when I was 15, but not anymore. So yeah. And by the way, my 
British comment, if anyone listening is British, you got to admit, your science fiction and fantasy tends to be darker than ours. <laughs> Although not darker than the stuff we're going to talk about on this podcast. No, probably, but some of that is going to yes, be British, because, you know, the British certainly do a, I'd say they're behind only uh, the United States when it comes to post-apoc fictions, yeah. movies or TV shows or books. You know, they, they do some some serious angsting over there, which is ironic for a country that has so few guns. But Yeah, that is interesting. I um, come across some fiction set in the UK, and it's always interesting where somehow they always manage to find the few guns that are there. Yeah. yeah. Or like in Shaun of the Dead. Right. The rifle at the Winchester. Right, right. It's very convenient. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. On the other hand, they've got access a lot a lot easier access to battle-ready melee weapons. So that's true. All you have to whereas do, we've got all go the freaking wall hangers, and you can just grab, <laughs> right. grab a full set of armor if you want. <laughs> yeah, whereas you know, nine times out of ten, you get something here, one two blows, and the blade snaps off. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been our intro episode, and uh, hope we've explained what we view the Apoc and the post-Apoc to be, and what you can expect on this show, for good or ill. <laughs> so we're going to wish you guys a happy evening in the wastes, and remember, keep your eye out for those leather-clad cannibal sex cults, because they're looking for you. Yeah, and, and depending on the reader, you might be looking for them too. Well, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> Again, I'm Doc Benny, I'm allowed to make those comments, and you have to correct me. Someone just did a shot somewhere, I, I heard it. It's okay. He's a doctor. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, and thank you. By the way, if you wish to write us, we are at founditheruins at gmail.com. Now we're really gone. Bye. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. It's, it's the end of the world as we know it. It's, it's the end of the world.